This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. It's Kelly and Ramia on AMI-tv, AMI-audio, and on your favorite podcast platform. Gotta say all three every single time, just in case you forget. Uh, But we are having a good time here. By good time, I'm only semi-sarcastic. Let's get to audio, entertainment, and technology. We do this weekly with Mike Fair. Audio entertainment and accessible technology are increasingly important in our lives. I'm Mike Fair, here to help you make the most out of your devices. We'll share tech tips and product reviews. Plus, I'll steer you towards the best accessible games, audio dramas, and podcasts. We'll talk about it all here on Kelly and Ramya. Mike, we're getting into some gaming today, but before we do that, I really want to ask you about your inbox. I'm so curious because of uh, it being (laughs) tech and you being a techie guy, and always talking a little bit of organization on some level or another, um, how does your inbox look? Do you follow any rules, regs, and have obsessions with keeping your inbox clean? I try to get, you know, get to the people who need need help. Uh, that's my kind of first thing. And I also, but I use it as a kind of a, a place to keep information that I might need later. Like if I think I'm going to need information in email later, I'll just leave it you know, red, but in the inbox. So, you know, that, that number has climbed, yeah. uh, particularly right after I released an edition of the guide. I think my record was something like a 1300 unread messages mm. at one point, but uh, no, I usually try to keep it below 50, you know, unread <laughs> messages, 1300. And do you yes. set up any inbox rules so that your scam goes to scam and, uh, or things get auto deleted? Oh, I use Gmail, so that takes care of a lot of that for me. Mm. Uh, it does a pretty good job, and I just have to keep an eye on the spam filter to make sure nothing gets in there that shouldn't. Okay. But overall, it's behaving nicely, uh, and it has uh, different different little sections to stick it. So I'm I'm pretty happy with uh, with how it's it's sorting. It's crazy because like we used to have conversations around you know what. Uh, how you have your bedroom really says a lot about you or, you know, whether you make your bed in the morning says a lot. Of, and now we have to go to the virtual world and say how you keep your inbox clean says a lot about you. So it's quite interesting. Uh, let's get to some of this entertainment stuff you got for us. Before the holidays, you mentioned a game called Conjury, and it was a kind of game that blind people had never been able to play before. This week, you're beginning a deep dive. I'm curious about what this deep dive will consist of into Conjury and another more uh, complex game in the same genre and that one's called Doncaster. So why were you especially excited I guess starting with Doncaster when you found out that this one was going to be accessible for blind people using iPhones, iPads, uh, iProducts? Yeah well basically usually when these things a new genre like this comes out that we have never had access to before we get a simple proof of concept game and we never go beyond that. So we get like, uh, it's just a game that's just interesting enough to prove that it's viable, it can be done. Uh, pinball is a good example of this. You know, you can have audio pinball. There have been examples on the iPhone and PC. The ball can roll yeah. around the stereo field and you'd have, you, you can time your flippers. There are indication sounds for everything. It's all in stereo, perfectly doable. No one has taken that beyond a very simple level yet. And that's always frustrated me. 
so this was a really happy surprise because all of a sudden we have uh, Conjury, a simple, relatively approachable, uh, one of these card uh, roguelike deck building card games. Okay. And we have Doncaster take into the it takes it to the extreme anything you can do to complexify uh the, this kind of game has been done in doncaster so you have a real you know big deep uh replayable game to dig into if you like the genre and you can master conjury so yeah it, it's it's we've never seen and they've been they were made accessible with them within like a month of each other so that doesn't usually happen uh it's very rare that something like that happens for for blind people and no, and it's kind of um, like this level of understanding that it takes that so many very simple games for the sighted community have never been accessible for blind people, right? Like we're, we're thinking card games, we're thinking pinball, like such basic idea of gaming that a lot of people just grow up with. It was, it, it was uh, you know, just very much taken for granted, I would say. And then for us to be like, yeah, but it's never, it's never been accessible for us. Like this was just not part of our uh, gaming or childhood experience. What's made it possible now all of a sudden? Basically, I think what did it was the Apple, uh, when they released their Unity plugin, they made uh, some, we, we were given notice of this plugin's availability that it was available for people developing in Unity. And that's always been a sore spot for blind people because and you know, a lot of at times games developed, even if they were just text games, pure text-based games in Unity could be completely inaccessible. And it was very frustrating. So now there's a plugin that lets developers tap in to Apple's accessibility tools while using Unity, which is a very popular app development engine. So that plugin clearly is starting to have results. Like these two games are complex kind of card games with different with you know fairly complicated screens and you can get around them and access them perfectly with voiceover and this this has broader implications like this is just the first of i think we're going to see a lot more apps become accessible now that the mm. unity plugin is is there for developers to to stick in and use and and make their apps accessible it still takes effort but it takes a lot less than than before clearly yeah. Do you think that um, having this plugin is enough to encourage people? Like I think of, you know, you go on social media and everybody, every user has the opportunity to add alt text to their posts, but it's not the only it's, thing, right? Yeah. There's got to be a lot more of the actual marketing around this. Yeah, and, and we have uh, some champions, uh, particularly we have one fellow that's really working to make these games, to push developers, to encourage them, let them know, hey, there are blind people interested in playing these things. And before, it was just a simple, no, we can't. These developers, they're small. Yeah, they didn't, didn't feel they had the time to put in the resources to make these things accessible. We never got anywhere. All of a sudden, we're getting somewhere. So something has clearly changed in this space, and that's the only factor I could think of that would would lead to that uh, is this plugin yeah. because because now we're we're starting to get places. Yeah, exactly. Like now the door's actually open to try these things mm -hmm. out and for the awareness of it. Okay, cool. So what is a roguelike deck building game? Yeah, so there are a couple parts to that. Roguelike is like a game called Rogue, which is an old uh, game I used to have on an old computer, uh, Eureka A4, as it happens. 
Uh, and uh, it basically put you in a dungeon and you'd go through, you were represented by an at sign and other symbols and letters represented monsters and things. And it would be a randomly generated dungeon every time. It would be mm. a different dungeon that you'd play. And death was permitted if you got killed, you had to start again. Uh, and and this takes a lot of these these tropes. It's it's basically you never know what you're going to end up with with these card uh, games in terms of what you have available, uh, how the zones are going to be laid out, uh, which creatures you'll encounter. It's all randomized, but there are certain rules. And with these, it's not just pure luck. There's strategy. There's skill involved, and that is also a thing about roguelike games. Uh, so that's the roguelike. The deck builder is you're building a deck of cards that is basically attuned to your play style. You're trying to build the best deck you can to play the cards and get as far as you can in the game with with the cards that uh, that you thoughtfully collect and and perfect so that no matter what gets drawn into your hand, you're ready to act uh, with, with uh, you know, effectiveness. So that's basically what a deck builder is. Interesting. Okay, I had no idea about either of these two, so I'm very curious. And um, how do we interact with these games? So basically, when you're interacting uh, with with either game, it's the same kind of system. Both of them use uh, you flick left or right uh, to go through your options with one finger. You double tap to choose an option, uh, and you flick up and down to go between parts of the main screen. So if you you have your player. Uh, stats, you have stats and resources, gold, health. You can flick down, you get to your card hand, you can flick up and look at the enemies and what's what you're facing, uh, flick down to other areas. Like it's so it's very simple. You just flick up and down and left and right and double tap on what you want. It's 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 that straightforward accessibility wise, but clearly a lot of thought has gone into uh and also reading out information. These things, the cards if you wait, uh, if you flick to something like a card and just wait, it'll read out the the, the information on that card. Mm. And these cards are not regular playing cards. It's not like the jack of spades. It's this monster is has you know this much energy and has uh, this attack and can and can resist attacks from this or that weapon. Like there are rules to these cards, and that's that's the thing. But it's it's, it's like getting a monopoly card, right? Each of them have has a set of rules that uh, that and they all interact with each other yeah yeah i mean it it makes sense like um these concepts around it making sense i think that you know people are used to this physical uh gameplay or card gameplay but i'm curious about you know continuing with the accessibility side of things and when it's made virtual so how does conjury set us up for the adventure side of things so basically you're in an enchanted forest you've been chosen as the key bearer and you can uh, basically, the keys are different colors. There's like gold, silver, bronze, platinum, and they're different levels of difficulty. And that changes the stats, uh, changes the cards you get. Uh, how you know has a number of effects on the game to make it harder to, to win. You start with an eight-card deck, and you basically uh, get a hand of about five cards, uh, and you basically play these cards in the best combinations you can, finding synergies. Some cards work better with others, so. Uh, you basically are going through, and uh, uh, there are five floors. So floors one, uh, three, and five are battles, big monster battles, and floor five is a boss battle. And then floors two and four, you get to choose between 
either a battle or sometimes there's event, there's always a, ch a choice of two options. You have to pick one. So you have to do that on floors two and four. And you just keep going uh, all through these levels again and again. And if you survive, you get to keep the coins, the artifacts, the cards that you collect from your last run. So that's basically, in a nutshell, it's almost like a classic video game mm -hmm. situation. You just go until you and, and you run out of luck and get killed. So it's uh, it's very uh, kind of, it's it very epic in that sense of nothing really kind of changes. You're, you're just going to the different, you're gaining artifacts, you're gaining resources, but not much story to worry about, not much sort of consequence. Right. So it's very kind of a simple kind of adventure. And, and battle heavy, right? How do you defeat mm -hmm. multiple monsters during the same turn? I'm, I'm assuming this is context specifically for this game. Yeah, well, both games are kind of the same in that you use cards. So you're looking for synergies. So if I get a shield and it says this shield will double the damage of the weapon that you wield in your other hand, then, of course, you have two slots for equipment in, in Conjury, the left and right hand. You can wield in the left. You get to put the shield in. That costs you energy to play. But once it's in your hand, you don't have to keep spending energy. It'll just stay there until it's used. And you put the weapon in your right hand, and that weapon can do twice as much damage. All of a sudden, you can completely kill a monster every, every uh, round. And uh, you're facing usually multiple monsters at once. So that can really help you speed through it. And there are other cards, cards that will give you other advantages. Some do damage to multiple monsters. Some boost the effectiveness of other cards. And so it's all about remembering, finding these combinations, trying to stack your deck in your favor so that you have the cards to, do, to deal with these, these uh, appearing monsters as they come. And uh, it's, it's all, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of kind of thinking quickly, dealing with what's at hand, literally, you know, trying to... Uh, to maximize that so that you you come through with as many cards and as mm. much life as possible um being a different character usually in games makes a difference so how does it affect it in this game basically different characters have different rules so i'm uh, if you play on the first character you have no special abilities and you get parry and jab cards for your first cards and then you have to you kill uh, the monster, you get a weapon, all the weapons kind of behave as they do. So it's all about combining the cards, and uh, you can buy artifacts if you have enough money. You can upgrade your weapons. Uh, other characters do things differently. I have another character that I've unlocked that is uh, a heat meter, and every time you act, you increase the heat meter, and when it overheats, it, there's a bit of a blast, and it damages all the monsters by two. And then you change over to freezing. While you're freezing, all those attack cards are now all of a sudden used to defend you against the monsters. So you and cards have different behaviors if you're heat, you're getting hotter or you're cold. So you have to sort of think about that. It changes how you think about all those cards. Uh, another character is a shapeshifter. So he shapeshifts between a mouse, which can dodge pretty much every attack, and a bear, which can do more damage with weapons and things. So you have, again, you have to think about when to play those cards as you change between those two forms and or back into human. Uh, so it, it, again, changes how you think. It's still the same game, but different kind of uh, rules apply, different thoughts about how to use those cards to the best of your ability. Uh, given the different conditions and powers of your characters. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm curious, like going back to the accessibility side of things, Mike, because you're explaining a lot about the actual gaming concept and, you know, clearly there there's the aspect of how they've made all of this accessible. But for beginners, can it be frustrating with the accessibility, trying out, trying their hand out something like this? 
Yeah, because it, it, it's a very different kind of thing. It's the controls are very simple, but getting used to sort of the cards. Like one thing about Conjury is when you kill a monster, go all the way to the right uh, to check for loot bags, weapons, or uh, food ba uh, bags because they'll be waiting. It won't let you sort of pass to the next turn, uh, but it, 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 uh, the voiceover doesn't say everything out loud all the time. So sometimes you have to really look, flick through the whole screen. Uh, to find out, oh, okay, I forgot about a loot bag that I never picked up. And then you cancel the end of your turn, you grab the bag, it, it'll give you a choice. You can usually pick between three different choices to add to your deck. And uh, that's that's kind of how the game progresses. So you got to get that, you got to retrieve your, your loot before you move on to the next turn. Uh, you can go on and just ignore it, but that I've never seen an advantage to doing that. I guess you'd you'd have less cards in your deck, which means you'd decrease the chances of, of the cards that you want appearing. So that might be one reason. But uh, yeah, that's, that's one thing that I, that I didn't get right away. And I went, oh, okay, if there's a loot bag there, I completely missed. And that was what was holding me up. So there are little things like that. And this is a brand new genre. And it's, right. well, for, for us, it's new. And it's new to be made accessible. So there's bound to be little things like that. They're probably going to improve it over time. Yeah. But boy, it's, it's certainly off to a wonderful start. I'm sure. And like, I want to just touch on that aspect of it being new to us, which sometimes makes it feel like work, right? Like there's gaming and people who are regular gamers uh, like yourself and Marcus McCracken, who comes on the show, you're more keen to kind of try things out and to fiddle around and say, oh, this is for me or not for me, but not base that off of how accessible it's feeling. Because I think there's that learning curve and that initial aspect of this is annoying, I think, you know, yeah. having a screen reader on or having voice prompts on when gaming in and of itself can feel super annoying and agitating and think like, I'm just so turned off by gaming this way. It's yeah, it does take a bit of a learning curve, especially with a genre like this. Uh, but, you know, it's it's good for casual play. Once you get over that, that learning curve, uh, it, you really are rewarded with something that's very replayable, massively replayable. You no know, two games are going to turn out the same. Uh, and, and that's that's a big reward in and of itself. If you've ever finished a big adventure game and wished it would never end, yeah. And then you know this this will be different every time you play. Mm. Uh, you know, same mechanics but different outcomes, and you have to sort of really think on your feet. Uh, so it rewards you know if you spend the time to to learn the mechanics, it, you are get very deeply rewarded. Like I will be playing, especially you know Doncaster, both these games really, you know for for years like there's so many there's 250 cards in uh conjury something on the order of a thousand cards in doncaster that these are massive amounts of of events of possibilities that can come together to create this this kind of adventure conjury has kind of a video game feel uh you know very kind of cute graphics i'm told kind of sound is the same way and you're just kind of going through uh, there's you know, music in the background. It, the sound and music are available. You can have it all. You can adjust the volume, nice. there's, uh, the settings. So uh, that's all thought through. And it's it's good for kind of casual play. Just pick it up, play for five Just minutes. Just try it out. Away. Yeah, It'll exactly. keep your place. That's yeah. awesome, Mike. Well, boss fights sound really cool in Conjury as well. They're pretty special. We're not going to get into it, though, because we're going to wrap. But uh, looks nice. And thank you for featuring not just both of these games, but just the um, accessibility and interest around this stuff. Thank you.
Absolutely. We'll be back with uh, more into Doncaster in the next week. There you go. Looking forward to it. Mike Fair joins us on Thursdays. We cover a bit of audio entertainment, a lot of tech, and um, because it's entertainment, we also feature a lot of gaming. You can find Conjury and Doncaster in the App Store on your iPhone and on your iPad. And uh, look forward to more conversations around this next week. After the break, a Sesame Street character asked on X, I don't know why they would do this, but how are you doing? And they got an earful. Grant Hardy is going to tell us more about that on What in the World after the break on Kelly and Ramia. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramia return with more in a moment. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.